0: Welcome to the next episode of Splitting Cases. We've just sat down um, at our friend Tasha's house and we're drinking some mulled wine.
1: Now, our guest today is a uh, long-term friend of mine. Natasha, hello.
2: Hello, Bruce. Hello, Pointy. Hello. Welcome to my kitchen.
1: I like that you're know, having so long referring to me by my real name. You picked that up really easy.
2: It it took me a second. I haven't (laughs) drunk enough wine yet for it to be a problem. (laughs) Later on, maybe.
1: (laughs) Before we get into your subject, explain mulled wine to me.
2: Indeed. So, it's a cold winter's night, and I wasn't too fussed on the idea of beer. I don't drink beer in winter. Maybe it's just a... um, I don't know. About a
0: bit nice stout. I think that's a wintry beer. Sure,
2: absolutely. Yep, <laughs> a nice stout can can be done. But I thought since you were coming over to to my kitchen um, and because it's so cold, I'll make you something which comes from sort of my heritage, if you like, which is northern European. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents are originally from Switzerland, and it's warm warm red wine, hot red wine, spiced wine. I can't even claim to be using my cast iron pot because <laughs> that was used to make curry this evening. So it's just in a saucepan, which is not very traditional. But um, basically wine, um, and you can get away with not the best quality of wine because you're going to add lots of sugar and juice of fresh oranges. And then you're going to stick um, some little cloves, which are quite pointy um, on one end, into into the orange rinds and chuck mm. them in as well. So sugar, um, cinnamon sticks, anise stars. Mm. I've had this vanilla bean which has been sitting in my sugar for months that's how i sort of flavor my sugar with i do quite enjoy that
1: a you have some of those ingredients on the bench here b that you almost like waved one in front of the mic as (laughs) as if to show the microphone it's like to show the audience it is isn't it here's one I prepared
2: can you see (laughs) somehow you're just going to have to imagine the, the the smell of you know sort of slightly damp cinnamon sticks wafting through the thing yeah
1: all of these things are up my alley
2: Super. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and, um, and so this is really nice. And again, apparently, um, cooking the mulled wine for longer amounts of time get rid of most of the alcohol in it. But... Um,
0: but increases it, the flavour?
2: Well... It, it probably does get rid of some alcohol if you if you boil it, mm. because obviously evaporation, but I guess it depends how strong the wine was to begin with. And yeah. if you're really hardcore, you can chuck in a shot of brandy, <laughs> uh, which I haven't. So, so really here's the decision. thing about,
1: you know, why it doesn't matter that you uh, don't want to have beer tonight. Yeah. Like, nothing cutesy had soft drink. Oh,
2: well, that's right. Sarah yes,
1: Humphreys had a cup, cup of tea. tea. Like <laughs> like we're like, Although it was a Sunday afternoon and it was hot, we did have a beer on the Sarah Humphreys podcast. Though, you know, it's, we split a case of anything. It doesn't have to be beer. Okay. Yeah, I think
0: the splitting case is more of a metaphor for, you know, having a chat. Sharing and yeah. Sharing. Lovely. Yeah. It's not, yeah, you, you guys get it. Although
1: I do mostly when I share things with pointy share beer. So That's true. It's a, it's a correct assumption. Yep. but uh well, I'll introduce necessary.
2: you to to a, to a different kind of drink.
1: i love it. already It's not very portable, but,
2: um, <laughs> It's great to make it home.
1: And you do have a lovely environment here. It's such a warm and inviting home. But you know, there 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 is one missing element that I'm hoping kind of wanders in here at some point. We have might like looked after your cat before, and she has the very softest, fluffiest cheeks, and I just love her.
2: In winter time, she really is. She I expands to twice her size. <laughs> What colour is your cat?
1: Grey.
2: Grey? No. Okay. I haven't seen a grey cat.
1: So. Alright, so what's your subject?
2: So, I mean, we can certainly talk about belly dancing. Yeah. Um, that's a topic in itself, but um, when I looked at the place that it had in my life, it was one of those things that made me happy. Like, that, That's a good starting point for the topic is that, you know, you have things that make you happy. Only as a parent has that thin line between the good reality and the bad reality been... So marked mm. and so fine. I think when it's just you, you take chances and you gamble and you and you think, oh, I'll be right. And if not, it's okay. I'll just pick myself up. Yeah. But um. But the world is an infinitesimally scarier place um, yeah. with small children to look after because the stakes are so high. Um, and. it, it, it You're watching them sleep and you're marvelling at how amazing and how beautiful and how perfect these little humans are. And at the same time, you're imagining the absolute worst case scenario that could possibly happen to them. Going way to go to ruin the moment, you know. Can't you just appreciate, you know, what you have? And I think that that's something that we deal with on a daily basis is that gratitude and the very clear knowledge that it's completely up to chance and is so out of our hands and outside of our realm Mm. of control in many situations for us to to prevent any harm from coming to the things that we love which then leads to fear and that's probably the antithesis I think to optimism and I remember um very clearly uh, in my in my youth um with a very important person in my life at the time who said oh Tessie you're so cute you're so optimistic you're a bit naive And I sort of, oh, okay. And then, you know, being not very articulate at at 19, um, it wasn't until later that I, you know, was able to articulate and say, actually, I I know very well what's in the world. I'm fully aware of the negative reality and I'm fully aware of the possibilities of everything going wrong Mm. and being horrible. But I choose to focus on what is good, you know, so you can look at, it's a choice that you make, I think, Mm. to be optimistic. It could be slightly in your nature certainly a lot of people have more um more of a predisposition in their personality to being optimistic and and hopeful but i think at some point it's a decision that you make um it was how you're going to how you're going to look at the world and uh and that follows on then to you know that that has a follow-on effect as how you live your life because Mm. frankly you know as certainly as a young father if you Gave in to all of the fears that you had for your son and even for yourself. We wouldn't make it out of the door in oh, the morning. We I wouldn't even get out of bed. Optimism
0: by numbers is How? my safety. Is kind of just like I don't know. Statistically, <laughs> <laughs> I think this is relatively unlikely to yeah. happen to me or someone that I love. Yep. So yeah, be aware. Could happen, but um, probably not going to happen. Yeah. So why invest a lot of heartache into? something because i don't know i think it'll just drag you down and then not enjoy what you're actually doing
1: it's really interesting the way you should phrase that because that's sort of the you know how you always have the the little angel and the little devil or so to speak Mm. on your shoulder he's he's always the guy on my shoulder saying shut up it's fine shut up it's fine (laughs) because i'm i'm a hypochondriac i'm an anxious person and while small things make me happy like i remember someone laughing because i think i was around the age of 19 i was like oh i can't wait to get home from this gig so i can have fruit loops and tea <laughs> and they're like wow you just it's really nice you those small things make you very happy and i'm like yeah um the, there's a lot of small things that make me just incredibly anxious and i'll call aaron and say what about this and he's like it's fine okay so uh what will, be, what will be you
0: know well i always have a bit of a list that i like to mentally go through. If I am worried, or if someone is worried about something, is like, is anyone going to yell at me? No. Okay. Was well, anyone going to hit me or hurt me? No. Am I going to end up in hospital or have any life-threatening illness or something? No. Okay. Well then, things are probably pretty okay. Like I can just. There might be a problem now, but in a week's time, will I still see it as a problem? And if in a week's time it's not really going to be a problem then that in itself helps you get through because it's like, okay, well this is shit at the moment. On the flip side, I'm like, hmm,
1: I have a bellyache. Symptoms. Internet says cancer. Well, I, I get... am dying. <laughs> oh crap. I better call my
0: wife. Okay. No, okay, so maybe see. the downside. Maybe the downside to um to my rationale is in that case I wouldn't Google it because I'd be assured that if I did it would just lead to cancer anyway. So therefore I wouldn't do it. Well, here's but then I could get caught out and it could be cancer and I've just lived in blissful ignorance. But here's the
1: problem. I'm, just, I'm just Googling because, you know, I need to make sure it is. In my mind, I've already decided, like, if I have a sore toe, it's cancer. You know? Like, it's the, li- it is the worst possible thing. And I'm just Googling to reassure myself. So it's almost like I'm
0: Googling to say... I was right. I See? was right. You can pretty See? much prove yourself... If that's the logic, you can prove yourself right with any hairball you thing on the internet. You absolutely
2: can. You and absolutely can. If you're looking of... for evidence for your hypotheses, you will find it. Yeah.
0: That's why
1: Which many is studies are released because... that prove some really odd things for really suspicious parties. Yes, you know? I think so. Well, you if can... you ask a right set of questions, you ended up getting the answer you want from certain people.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of people say, but it's been scientifically proven as <clears throat> well... What did they want to find out? Yeah. I mean, who was paying these scientists? Yeah. You know, I think as soon as he started then get into well, what is accurate information, it depends on the person who's saying it. You know, history, hmm. what we learn, from, you know, what we learn is completely depends on the person who was writing the account down at the time. Kind of like
0: the internet was meant to make things more open, more transparent and, you know, take away the old guard to make sure the information could flow free, but it kind of... In some ways, has had the opposite effect because any joker can just say something, gets repeated I've as read fact. Read it on the internet, yeah. yeah. And so there's the quality sort control of is not so more much disinformation than there ever was.
2: But it makes it incredibly simplistic. And I think if you only focus on the bullet points, then unless you know where that information came from and you trust the people who 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 generated that information, they could have been having a bad day. Seriously, yeah. when you look back at all of the cataclysmic events of the world and all the important people, and you go how would the world have been different if someone had just said to Adolf Hitler, you know, your paintings are pretty good. Yeah. Or if his mum had hugged him, you know, yeah. if he'd had a different childhood. Yeah. You, can, you can go back at this. There's infinite amount of variables and all of those variables impact. And you, you see just... films, you know, sort of where this thing comes along at this time and it's, you know, sort of it's, it's a whole, it's a cataclysm of hundreds and thousands of isolated events who all come together at that particular point in time there's no hope if you're controlling anything. So like, I'm in control of my destiny, really.
1: I watched <laughs> the Brian Wilson biopic. If that
2: makes you happy, you good. Have Brian, you uh, Wilson, seen yeah, no, to see no, that. Hold on,
1: not Terminator. <laughs> Brian Wilson biopic. watch it and you're like, oh yeah. my God, like his father beat him so much that he went deaf in one ear and you know, like that seems like it would be something that would discourage someone from playing music but he's one of the best songwriters of his, like, mm. the world. And... You know, like one of, like a lot of his bandmates weren't supportive of his things, but what would it happen if they were? Yeah. And what would have happened if this hadn't happened? And you know, like, oh my God, you go down yeah. a giant rabbit hole, which yeah, is what I am incredibly, you know, predetermined in life to do, think of the absolute worst thing and find it and go down that rabbit hole.
2: Do you think that looking, always wanting to find the worst case scenario could be a symptom of needing to be prepared? So I I've looked know. the worst in the face and I know that that's the worst that could possibly happen. What would I do? Oh, it's okay, I, don't know. I could probably deal with it, which means that I no longer have to be afraid of it.
1: I think it's, it's very fine. much um Sky is folding syndrome, you know.
2: Oh crap, oh, sorry. It's okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no. It's fine. It's an Oops. occupational hazard. <laughs> I've dropped. I've dropped, like,
2: that's worse really things on my hands. Oh, don't I oh, know, but it's hot.
1: Yeah, that's true. I took
2: that very manfully. I'm just hoping oh, to make sure that.
1: That's totally fine by the way, don't give it a You're second. Right. Need See, and that, no, no. nowhere no, 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 no. near the worst thing that could happen. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> no, I could have tipped
2: it all over the zoom. That's, That's zoom. right. So, so
1: this <laughs> is proving this is proving somewhat of the theory that Aaron is calm and I'm not as much of a skies falling person person as I think I am, because you know, when you spill something incredibly hot on your hand, it's like no no mm. but I think imagined much worse happening to me at least 10 times today. So
0: that's so That's what I mean. I think the difference is you're not worried about necessarily what ends up happening. <laughs> it's more what you think could happen. Yeah. Rather when when something bad happens, you're actually quite good at dealing with it. Mm. Quite I think I'm quite good in a crisis. That, right?
1: Yeah.
2: So, so when it's fear of the unknown in that case.
1: So okay, well the, rather than Did me you? falling down the rabbit hole. Yes. You know, so since the subject is optimism and how to work in that and stay optimistic despite everything
2: Mm.
1: how do you do that and what makes you happy
2: well as i said i think deciding to to look at the glass half full scenario is a choice Mm. um and it's something that you really choose to do and and it takes a lot of work um there are days where it's really difficult and where for me um coming from a media background you know I loved that environment. I loved being on top of everything and you know what's going on and you're across all the papers and you're across all the issues and you can talk, you know, sort of with a modicum of intelligence and, and, um, and rational thought and, um, and clear thinking and critical thinking about various subjects. And I found after parenthood that I really had to, I had to vet and I had to scale back Mm. and even, you know, sort of just not go to the news desk at all um because there's certainly the powerlessness that comes from being aware um mm. and not being able to do anything about it um and I, i'm sure that's a that's a problem for a lot of people and well, it's the
1: old saying ignorance is bliss you know if you don't know what's out there it's them, absolutely
2: know. true but i've never been i think i don't think i've been in that blissful situation since no. um early teenage years mm. i think once once i became aware um once I became, what do they say, politicised? <laughs> um, which was actually probably quite early in many ways. My first po- politisi- po- 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 politicisation,
1: politicised politicisation. Um,
2: politicisation.
1: Politicisation. Yeah, that sounds yeah,
2: right. Yeah, would have been because I went to a Catholic school. Um, mm. it would have been my, my rebellion against the church that started <laughs> in about year ten. Yeah. And starting to you know to read wider on the issues and. Um, And not take the word of authority anymore. And I think up until that point, I'd held teachers in this high regard. Mm. And then I started fighting with my teachers. Well, fighting is probably a little bit too strong a word, but, but, you know, sort of... Questioning. Yeah, vociferously disagreeing. Engaging in discussion i thought i was engaging in discussion they would call it insubordination and being cheeky and well, causing yes. trouble i'm like but i just want to know the
1: only difference is in that is power structure you know yeah. the only difference is that is that i am here i am the teacher you are the student yeah. if it were you know i am a student you're a student or i am a teacher you're a teacher yeah. there's the whole then perceived power structure but
2: back in that day there wasn't any room for discussion i think no. they do that a little bit differently no, and when I went to Year 11 and 12, I went to St Francis Xavier, which is mm. a college just for Year 11 and 12, and that was a mm. completely different environment where you had teachers which would engage with you to a much greater extent than they did in in junior high school. Um, where uh, and I had and again you sort of find those those people uh, your role models in life, and for me one of those was my teacher. Um, was my what we had care group teachers or roll call classes, and we had the same teacher for four years, which was. Which was unusual. You usually changed after two years, mm. um, and we we were a really tight knit group. And he also taught Asian studies and Japanese. Mm. Um, his name is David Clark, and he um, we did a, a project on Hiroshima, and so I got all fired up, and it happened to be the eighth of August coming up, um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki Day, and so I went around with my friends, said right, we're going to commemorate this, and drew chalk outlines on at various strategic points in the school building, and I got into so much trouble. I'm like, but we were just in class and poor Mr. Clark, Clark by the way <laughs> well alright we're a Catholic school you know I completely was dumbfounded at the why am I getting into trouble with this but if everybody did it, it was, but it's only chalk. Like if it's a problem, give me a bucket of water and I'll go and scrub it off for God's sake. It's yeah. not like I've defaced It may property. rain this afternoon. And yeah, then the whole right. Thing is and over. then the whole thing is over. It's <laughs> okay. chalk. Let's you know. face
0: it. We live in a city where people complain that people put rainbows in chalk on the sidewalk. <sighs> oh, <laughs> there are some odd people.
2: <laughs> well, this was within a school environment, and, yeah. and but that's and there, you know all of those things happen. And I'm sure I'm certainly not the only one with that story. That mm. it was because of opposition that you faced in your learning environment, that either either it then killed your curiosity or, 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 or frightened away that inquisitive spark, mm. or it fired it. And I'm going to assume definitely... with you it
1: fired it. Yes, it did. Because <laughs> I, I yeah, not known you to be the other two.
2: No. And that's a no. great thing. Yeah, 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 and and I wouldn't have it any other way. Despite the trouble that I, you know, consistently got into in Year Nine and Year Ten, they were really difficult years. And then in Year Ten, in the October school holidays, one of the girls from our um, from our roll call class was killed in a car accident. So that was a really that was we're way to finish off the year. Yeah. Um, God. And it was, was one of those really big life changing moments or those epochs that you see when you, when you look back on your growing up years, yeah. that a lot changed. It also had happened that in year seven, our year seven class, um, uh, uh, uh whatever it was, 13 year old boy had shot himself at oh the God. beginning of the year. I know. Right. We were, we were cursed. We said, um, but those realities had visited, um, us as a, as a school community quite early on in life mm. and they're certainly not isolated I mean if you go to school in America then it's probably much more yeah, them. In, in Newcastle Australia at the time it was something really I mean, it wasn't common at all yeah. um, and was something you know sort of uncommon and fraught fought enough to be to be a real mm. um, a real I think touchstone experience then for a lot of people and then we went to you know San Francisco Xavier and and life continued on from there. But yeah, those, those were, you know, sort of points that you mark as you're growing up where the ugliness and, and, and danger of the world presents itself to you and you think, how am I going to and those... react to this? And you look for answers and you look for something which explains why this is and there aren't any. And certainly, you know, growing up in a, a Catholic school from that environment, um, there was an explanation offered or there was at least a a coping mechanism offered yeah. um, which would have worked for, for some of us at that particular point in time, and it was, you know, was lovely that there was that there at least. Mm. Um, in other cases, people have nothing at all. Um, and so I, you know, that would be a whole other topic is talking about religion, you know, sort of... is, oh it, God, a, is, yeah. it, is it a Is it a crutch for, 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 you know, for weak people or is it something that makes people feel strong? Quite aside from all of the yeah, other crap yeah. that happens with it. But your own personal belief... Um, w- Whatever you know, as you said whatever floats your boat, whatever gets you through the day, whatever it is that makes you happy, and that whatever gives you hope to carry on. Yeah, to get out of I bed. Think the problem day. is just
0: the word religion itself.
2: Oh, absolutely, it's like loaded, that's isn't it? It's got the stigma.
0: It's yeah, loaded, and it like, it's a
2: real shame because just
0: belief. Just leave it at you, your belief. Belief? Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Think, I think that's. I can.
2: Your be- your belief I can get behind this. Ideas.
0: If that's your belief, that's fine, because it's just something yeah. that you believe. It might not be real. You just believe it. Yep. And, and it's different
2: we- to a philosophy because a philosophy is then a little bit more hypothetical, theoretical. It's more academic, you know, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Whereas a belief is something that
0: this may not be rational for me to believe this, but I do. No, and uh, then it comes yeah. from
2: you, and it comes from your own heart, and it's something that then um, that that's very personal, um, and and that has that element of faith for want of a better word because you can't you can't know for sure so it's as well I'm just this is this is what I believe and this is what gives me hope Mm. uh, in the face of uncertainty and in the face of scary things
1: being presented with opposition to that kind of um, not personality with that kind of inquisitiveness early on and that kind of situation early on what did you find pulled you out of that what did you find was on the other other half the glass.
2: I could never not. Um, so that's perhaps that's a part of my personality. Thank you, genetics.
1: Um, <laughs> thank you,
2: being a Gemini. I think um,
1: that could also be a topic. Thank you, genetics. Yeah. Thank
2: you, genetics. Yeah. <laughs> Better or for worse. <laughs> well, you know, um, I cursed my genetics all through school because um, my nickname was Shrimp um, and Shorty. And in our year 12 photo, which is the entire year 12, which is about 500 people, you had to line up, you know, sort of from tallest to shortest. And so there are a couple of us who just we went, walked, went straight out of the school, out onto like, the road. Because I know a,
1: my place. Yeah, I know my I place. Know more.
2: And then, of course, the whole entire year, was there as we walked in and some bright spark up the back of going, hi-ho, hi-ho. Oh, God. Yeah. And you just... It's
1: cruel. Oh,
2: cruel. And the whole... And of course, you know, everyone convulsed in laughter. So it was probably... It was a nice little icebreaker for, you know, the fact that everyone was getting there been having their I mean, yeah, year to photo taken. But, you know, there walk was some of shame. There smiles in the photos. Walk of shame. <laughs> yeah. Children can be so cruel. We can. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. Yeah. There's a Simpsons quote for everything. Oh, the steps, so yeah I know <laughs> that's another segue altogether anyway um back on back on topic yeah um, yes genetics um, and it, um I'm um, I've never I'm not an astrology person but I you know if you're looking at um, at things which give you pieces of a puzzle then mm. I think that's an interesting piece to look at and it's you know it's it's proved itself to be um, pertinent in many many cases and for me i'm a I'm I'm a Gemini and so for me there has always been two. There's always been two sides to a story. I've, I grew up bilingual um, and bicultural. Mm. Uh, my parents are Swiss and mm. um, we spoke the language at home and always had that idea of the other. Mm. Um, and that is hardwired into me and um, studies are coming out now talking about... Um, the, the, the advantages of, of of two languages for kids and bilingual mm. kids grow up, and it's it's literally when you think of you know all of the development that happens in a child, what is it? eighty percent of their neural connections happen before they're three years old that's that's insane.
1: eighty percent eighty
2: percent of neural connections yeah. and they're really important, you know obvious things hand eye coordination, learning to walk, learning to speak language is a it's such an un, it's a huge thing you know so they're, they're discovering more and more about it the more that they the more that they can track in terms of what happens yeah. with your neurological activity the more they can link things that, you know that it's it's so exciting and yeah. um and because when i became a parent um i addressed it as as or i i took it on as a as a, as a job mm. as a task People say, are you working? I yes, I'm a full-time domestic and social engineer. Yeah. And so I have to, you know, upskill. And I like so I read title. a lot. Yeah, yeah. So reading lots of books and a really fascinating one about, um, about the neuroscience of, of children and mm. their development. And that when you, you know, sort of you talk to a three-year-old and say, now go away and think about what you've done. You might as well just blow at a brick wall and expect it to fall down. They are not <laughs> there yet. Those yeah, connections no. have not been made. They're... And so everything that you, you know, sort of all of those things that you do and repetition sets your, your path. And of course, that can all be changed later on. Yeah, the, you know neuroplasticity. They there's so much you know that they're finding out about. You can you can literally reprogram your brain, um, and and in turn your body and how that. And they're only now finding out like the tiny, tiny little follow-on effects is that that certain. You know, big changes in your life and in diet and nutrition, even the way you think will change your DNA structure. Mm. You know, that goes right down to the the very essence and the teeny-weeniest things of who you are and, and what makes you what you are. So it's super fascinating. And when, particularly, I think, when you have children and you're watching their development and how they're growing and why they're doing the things that they're doing, it makes you look at your own self and think... Oh, that's interesting okay so I do this maybe because of this and yeah, why you look I at your own upbringing business, yeah yeah you know? what was a reinforced message while I was growing up which set me on a particular path and my dad was very anti-authoritarian um, and you know sort of took no crap from anyone so I think I was certainly um, yeah that didn't influenced. pass
1: on at all no, no no.
2: that and that and driving we're both very <laughs> um, aggressive drivers um, and lead puts. and so it's and you know, you know, you're passing it on to the next generation where now a traffic, or it used to be that I'd come up to a traffic jam and before I could even say a word, I'd hear a little word, little voice pipe up from the backseat. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> damn <it. laughs> have to, yeah, damn it. And it's, of course, you've... You, They're you, so you, impressionable. Yeah, they really are. And I think it's... It's a good thing when you have that little mirror and that little parrot um, that's in your ear because it makes you really aware of the things that yeah. you say and do. Oh, yeah. And if there was ever a time where I wanted to change um, the ways that I was wired that I didn't particularly like or that I wasn't particularly happy with, then now is, now is was the time to, to change and adapt. Yeah. Um, it's good to have that motivation because I think for a very long time I just got away with it, in inverted commas, of perhaps... I don't know, of, of, of yeah, of, of, you know, it's just Tashi. She's really enthusiastic and she doesn't stop to think and she talks a lot and often overrides what other people are saying because she's so, you know, wants to get her point out. Um, and so just things like that where I become a lot more self-aware. Yeah. And it's different because as a as a young person, and again, it's funny, you know, parallel things were happening when you were talking about what was it that made me decide on the glass half full version of yeah. life.
1: Or at least trying to aim for that. Yeah,
2: trying to. On one side, there was a part of me who was really interested in the world and and very confident in my abilities to comprehend it. And then on the other side, I had the worst body image. I was so self-conscious. And you know, oh my god, she looked at me funny, and oh, does he really like me? You know, sort of all of those teenage things, which you just look at and go, what a waste of energy. Um, I wish someone had told me that. But again, you know, maybe you just can't hear it at that age. But
0: um, yeah, I think some things you just need to come to realization yourself. Yeah, Yeah. right. And that's part of it, though. That's why you appreciate it when you finally do come to that realization. That's why becoming self aware helps you become more optimistic and take that
1: glass half full because you can throw out those things that you no longer need to worry about.
2: There is a great freedom, I think, in in letting all of that stuff go. And you talked to a lot of people, and I just just had a chat with a friend the other day uh, where she said, I just, I so don't care anymore. I don't care if I look like a dad going down the street. I don't, I don't care what other people think of my parenting. I'm I just, I do what I do and I do it to the best of my ability and and a confidence that's there. It's probably a little bit of both. It's more, it's a, you know, you start to fly with, I don't give a shit airline for a lot of things just because you don't have the time and the space to continue putting your energy into worrying what other people think. You really, you decide on the people who are important to you and whose opinions matter but certainly not that they don't, you know, they, they won't rule what you do. No. Um, they can influence it, but that's up to you as to how much.
1: I fly on. I don't give a shit airlines at certain things. Yeah. Like, I'll sing and dance in a shopping centre. I'll wear my, no, of- like,
0: crappiest, worst things to anywhere. And that's fine. None of that bothers me. You did me. want to wear your onesie to my... I did I wear mean, my onesie did, to your house. but you were forced to wear actual shorts, though. Yeah, um, nothing cute.
1: So he said, "For God's sakes, at least wear some underwear under it." I said, "Okay." top <laughs> uh, on the boxes. Anyway, but I had you know, one half
0: full with a cherry on the top.
1: Fuck <laughs> that one. to the supermarket. That's fine, but it's more like it's it's more stuff like what I was saying before. Like I intensely worry for no reason about what Pointy would think of me. When I know he's most of all one of the few people in my life that I could, you know, duck to myself and run down the street and he'd be like, what are you doing? Shut up, get inside, you're fine. You know, like, he wouldn't bother. He wouldn't worry. He'd worry for me, but not, you know.
0: Well, I've got to tell you that this podcast is actually an intervention. There's a lot of things I need to
1: really... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, think, oh, I think that ship has sailed,
1: Pointy. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think a lot of this ties into becoming self-aware as, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not worrying about certain things anymore. You're not feeling like this is the biggest thing in the world. You have the tools.
2: I think I do. And I'm getting more of them each day. Mm. I think when I hit 30, I went, awesome. Oh, goodbye 20s. See ya. Nice to know you. i <laughs> yeah. um, glad that part of my life was over. Again, because you, you let so much go and there's a huge amount of freedom in that then you can actually get on with doing stuff.
1: And there's a lot in that not being self-aware that makes you unhappy because you are spending a lot of time and energy on something
2: that
1: mm. is not a positive force in your life.
2: The difference perhaps with between being self-conscious about stuff and being self-aware mm. uh, and knowing yourself. You know, Shakespeare said, know thyself. Was it Shakespeare? I think he said say say lots, lots of things. He did say lots of things. But I think they that's selfish. it's a yeah. It's a it's a quote. I think that is attributed to to him or to one of his plays. In any yeah. case, um, and that's and that's really true. And then and then owning it. You know, if you're if you're lazy, own it. If you're a busybody, own it. And and maybe turn it around and, and focus on the more positive aspects of that particular personality trait, you know, sort of, you, you can relax. It's really good. A lot of people don't know how to relax. Maybe you just need to balance it out with a bit of activity, but, you know, it's... So, a,
1: you, yeah, you become yeah. self-aware that I'm not a person who can relax. So, within that, how can I work that to my advantage? How can I work depends something if, out? depends
2: if you want to do it and if you see a need for it. Oh, yeah. If you're suffering because you're not relaxed mm. or you don't know how to turn off the, the worry button or, you know, sort of turn off the brain full stop, you say, shut up, brain, that's enough. Go to bed. And then, you know, you tune out eventually. Um, I don't know, how could how, how could you do it? I think you need, you need to want to do it. Mm. And... It means changing the way that you do things, which is really hard.
1: I'm gonna guess you're, like me, part of your way of dealing with a lot of this head-against-the-table-ness of the world is music, the arts, Mm. dance. What kind of relationship has that had in your life to optimism, to positivity, to relief, to release? Mm.
2: Um, The the beautiful things and literally uh, harmony. Um, that you have two notes which work together. and music yeah. is such a perfect metaphor for this idea of trying to find a way through and to try to make things work together. Yeah. Um, that then also has something that is aesthetically pleasing, something that, that, is, that, is, that is beautiful, or you know for, for us, orally pleasing, something that, that, sounds, that sounds right, mm. but because then it reflects a rightness with the world, um, sound is really important, you know, they, they measure, they measure the particular eff- the, the effects that particular kinds of music have on, on your body systems, yeah. on your, the electrical currents that run through your body, you know, we are biological, chemical, organic beings that, that resonate Again, literally, oh, with, yeah. with all of these things, we vibrate with it. Um, it makes us feel a certain way. It evokes moods. You know, it goes so deep. It, it, it works on every level, on the physical, on the mental, on the emotional, um, and really powerful. I, I grew up um, with my mum singing us songs. Um mm. Yeah, that that there was never not music, and and you know, we'd be being proud of my dad's really cool record collection. Um, and on Sunday afternoons, after in sun, on Sunday mornings, we would go to church, and we would have um, Bach and Mendelssohn and Handel mm. and Chopin playing in the morning, and then in the afternoon there would often be a, a barbecue. We'd head out the back, and Dad would fire up the barbecue, and that's then when the turntables changed, and on came the Beatles <laughs> and the Eagles. And Rolling Stones, and you know all, all of those you know, the 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 seventies bands that my parents sort of grown up with. At the same time, with me hearing a lot of things that my mum liked at the time, like Abba and the Carpenters. And you listen to that music, and they are beautiful, big, lush productions, uh, and the, and the harmonies. You know, the, the the three and four part harmonies, those perfect cadences the the line that the song takes moving through major and minor chords you know this this perfect organization of random sounds and and and, and just so just beautiful um and
1: i love the way you talk about music
2: yeah. <laughs> it's it's always, yeah, again, it's always been a part of me. My mum, both my parents were really musical, my mum in particular, and she, you know, sort of played the guitar and sang to us. And that was also a really good way for us to maintain language um, once school started and my sister and I started speaking English to each other because that's what we spoke at school yeah. my brothers for example then had a lot less Swiss German in their ears yeah. than we had at the time and so they had that they, they needed a little bit more work to catch up on the vocab of it but you know when we when we were able to go over to Switzerland to visit they hung out with the cousins and after half a day you know, yeah. it, was all, it was all there and they were confidently speaking and, and having that but having that ear and, and I, I sang from a young age and um, I was just thinking today of um, my mum always, often, always sang a harmony, a descant to mm. the melody line that was running through, and that was something I took with me through all my entire school career. In year eleven and twelve, I was, you know, I was very sought after for the year twelve music performances. Tash, can you come and sing a harmony? You, you'll find one. Oh, because
1: you have that ability inside of you to find where that
2: sits. Yeah, to find where that sits yeah. and, and how it sits. And I got into trouble in year six in choir because I sang, you know, I sang a harmony. But you're doing it wrong, Natasha. No, no, it sounds right. Yeah, I'm not. no, it sounds know, right. No, 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 it's not written on the music. But it sounds right. But it's not on the shit music. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds right. But oh, it's
1: chalk, it'll wash off. Oh, What's yeah. the problem? Oh, it's know. what we're learning.
2: I know. And it was, cu- again, coming up against all those, the, the ingrained, the ingrained beliefs. And ha- I would have to be honest, if those teachers then probably went home afterwards and thought about it and thought, Oh, seriously, why couldn't I have cut her that slack? Because you need, you know, sort of for many people, they need to be organised, you need to have that regiment in and anything that deviates from, yeah. from the norm is, is dangerous and can threaten to disrupt the whole system. You know, that's why, why the arts have always been the anarchy of any social yeah. structure because they challenge it and go, Why? Yeah. Why? And the people whose interests are served by keeping a particular status quo—they don't like it. So either they try to suppress it, or they buy it out, which is another way of circumventing it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Or, or they or they own it, and then they prescribe what what needs to be said and what needs to be done, and then they do it on a really large, you know, scale so that everyone thinks that this is all there is. And mm. it's real. It's hard. And I think for anyone who who makes music or who makes art, you have to want to do it just for yourself. Yeah. And most most, you know, musicians and, and, and artists and creatives that I speak to, they would do it anyway. Mm. For the ones who have who have chosen the really hard road of making it their profession in terms of earning them some some, some cash or yeah. be, being able to live from from doing this work. It's such hard work. I see someone, you know, beautiful, brilliant, switched on, talented like Amy V, like uh, Sarah Humphreys, yeah. who, you know, who, who works so hard where everything is, is just really difficult. But, you know, at some point they decided within themselves that this is the way that I can best be true to this essential part of my nature and you make compromises and you set priorities and that's just then, you know, what you what you decide to do and oh. you try to, you hopefully have the support around you to, to help and to make it happen. It's
1: funny, I heard an interview with Ben Lee where he used that exact mm-hmm. phrase and he said, you know, that I, got to a point where i'm like oh, i'm making some records and they're falling on deaf ears and the phones aren't ringing and nobody's listening to them and then i got to the point where i woke up one day and went but i'm still writing mm. i still want to make them so it doesn't matter because even if they don't sell a copy or change anyone's mind i'm still going to put them out yeah so all right that's freeing that's great
2: yeah yeah yeah. Yes. Well And it's lovely if you have the where, you know, the, then the financial wherewithal to just keep doing that. Oh well
1: yeah. And
2: certainly so, you know, technology has made it easy. You can make something quite, you know, quite really decent sounding in your own bedroom. If you've yeah. got a good computer program and you, you you work you find out how to make it work best for you and the sound that you have. And then you can collaborate, you know, and, and sounds grow and change and, you know, and all that sort of thing is marvelous as well. But yeah, I was very cerebral. Am very cerebral. That a lot of my the way that I saw the world happened up here, mm. and thinking about things, overthinking things. So the relationship that I had with my body was never great growing up as a as a teenager, which is really sad. And then in and then how old was I? Nineteen, where I went to the Tina Festival one way one year. This mm. is not art. Yeah, this Festival. is not art. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and a, a small troupe of belly dancers were performing on stage. And there were three young girls, probably, you know, sort of in their early 20s and then the teacher who was, was in her mid-30s. I was watching those girls as I was going, oh, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I could do that. That's so beautiful. Oh, my God, look at their costumes. And their movements are so earthy and beautiful and graceful and sexy and... Just and that spoke to me instantly. Yeah. I thought, I can do that. I tried ballet, I tried fizzy, I tried and I love to dance. And yeah. so that was, you know, I'm really glad that I found that dance format. Other women you know discovered in their 50, 60 I mean it's never too late, but it's no, no. it's a shame that if you, you know you feel all your life, Oh, I'm not allowed to dance because I don't have the you know, requisite body or whatever. That's such a shame. I'm not allowed to sing. Oh, I can't sing. Join our choir. Yeah, you can. Then, yeah, of can course do. you can. Yeah. You know, there's there's so many possibilities and it's so sad when you hear people limiting themselves because of an idea of what they said. Yeah. You know, anyone anyone that talks about they immediately i bought i don't give a shit
1: out yeah. I mean, who is who is that who, who is, is, is <laughs> <are> there <laughs> who
2: are these things your
1: relationship with the arts and music is very different yours is more consumption rather than creation yeah i think that's fair to say what do you get out of that how does music keep you um i think it's not my mind
0: it's just an escape it's yeah. a way to switch off and be somewhere else or be part of something else
2: do you appreciate the the artistry for want of a better word of a really good band the way that they make their sound their performance that you know stage performance is a whole other level
0: most definitely and even not just the music itself i guess it's the whole thing that goes into it i mean reading about the creative process that people go through to get to the (laughs) point where you're then seeing the end result yep um you know tracking down bootlegs and you know rare live recordings demos all that sort of stuff yeah To me, it's all part of that um, mystique and, you know, Mm -hmm. wanting to find out more about how something was made. Um, And I think knowing the very, very small amount that I know um, of like, you know, playing guitar isn't enough to even make me appreciate things even more because it's like, oh, I can sort of see what's going on Mm -hmm. there and that therefore makes me even more impressed. Mm. Is that what you sort
1: of got out of when you started doing... Belly dancing as well. Um, you got more and more out of it?
2: Certainly. It's learning a skill. And so it's like anything else. It's like learning yeah. to play an instrument, learning to play a particular sport, learning to, I don't know, use a particular computer program, whatever. It's learning a skill. And I. Um, the movements the way that those the, the body moves in that style of dancing made complete sense to me. Mm. Um, it's also sometimes you you know when you listen to music or you listen to, to Irish music or you listen to, to African drumming and there's that ache you know sort of in, in your belly and in yeah. your heart where there's that sense of you know or, or of recognition or of it it touch, something touches you really deeply and yeah. and that that sense of you being. Part of that, but it's not your heritage, you know. You, you, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's not, you know. You can't sort of say, oh, yes, because my grandparents were this. Mean. You, you absolutely. And there's something within you, really primal, that's that that responds to that particular rhythm. And I, I really found found that with the, the Arabic rhythms that are used in in belly dancing. And so I, le- I started to learn those particular. And there are particular moves. There are particular way you move your body, and you start with your feet. You know, you place your feet and the posture. Your knees are, um, are soft. Your your pelvis is, is is gently tucked under, so you don't stick your bum out because that's really bad for your lower back. Um, you you learn to lift your chest and breathe, and all of these things, and that's just yeah. standing. That's before you even move, yeah. and it's a whole different way of holding your body. And it was the same when I took some singing lessons. Is, the you know the the first the other thing that we did for two lessons was breathing. Yeah. And then breathing and singing out, leaning over. Okay, how does that make you feel? All right, where are your lungs? What do you and, beca- and again, that's that getting into your body and becoming aware and then um, growing really in an appreciation of what the body can do. And you think, oh, wow, that's amazing. And, and you watch yourself dancing and it's like, oh, I look so good. But it's like, oh, isn't that amazing the way that the body moves?
1: Yeah.
2: When you sing, when you- isn't that amazing the way that, that sound can happen? And the older I got, the more certainly I appreciated it and the less that the ego got in the way Mm. and you could just do it because you loved it and not because there's an audience and they're either going to like me, which would make me feel really important. Ego is such a, oh, glad (laughs) that I could kick that one out the door. It just gets in the way for so many things. And so that's why, you know, that's why I I was not allowed to be in a band until my late 30s because (laughs) I had to get rid of ego first. It had to be about... The, the pure enjoyment of, of, of being creative and making something and then and wanting to make a good <coughs> f- for the sake of being true to that art form just for your own personal integrity and your yeah. artistic integrity and it wasn't about impressing anybody else uh, and I really found that with, with dance as well I never, I never had that thing of look at me and yeah. I think I had had that a lot certainly during my school years and then um, I started belly dancing at the same time that I went to uni, and um, and was doing drama at uni, and it was really good that that development was happening. Where it was just, just do it because, because it's because you you love it, and because there's an honour in being a vessel for that creative force. Yeah. That's what it's about. It's not about me, but you want to be the best that you can at it because for you, for you, and and for to honour the to honour that. Whatever it is that you're channeling.
1: Yeah. Look, the reason that we started doing this podcast is we're like, well, we love drinking and talking shit anyway, you know, (laughs) like, someone else might as well get involved. Mm
2: -hmm. I think it's good sharing the love.
1: Exactly. But that's the thing. We we were going to keep doing this anyway, and we wanted to, you know, turn it into something because we felt we had something to say, and we felt other people specifically had something to say, Mm. you know, and it became something.
0: Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Yeah.
2: And hearing that, hearing other people's stories is that's, that could be that one little thing where you go, oh, I do that. Oh, yeah, I, I can respond to that. And that person changed it. Yeah. I, I can. Whether or not you do then is then up to you. But that possibility is there. And just being made aware, it's possible. Mm. It's not going to be the end of the world. It's not even going to be super hard. Yeah. it's not gonna it's definitely not going to kill you so there's not really any excuse not to and then you just have to decide to do it and, and and make it happen in whatever you know form that that takes and one of the things um that I just wanted to mention but it's certainly one of the things that makes me mm-hmm. happy and and looking at the you know the world is not completely lost is a, um, a magazine called Dumbo feather and mm. it's a quarterly magazine and it's one of those things that you know I think so strongly out of us, I want to subscribe to it because you know yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a list they have a list of people who buy it on a regular basis and it's in you know news agents and and a lot of people will pick it up but stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things Mm. and it's just amazing to to read these are not you know there's people who are not superheroes in any they're ordinary people who have a drive and who saw a need or who had a passion and they're like well it's not going to happen if i don't do it you know and and who who are insightful and the compassion that then comes out with with that and um if there's something that I struggle with on a daily basis, when I'm not working hard at being optimistic, it's having compassion for those people who willfully go and stick their heads in the sand, the ones who succumb to the fear, the ones who hurt others because they're fearful. How how to how to change that, how to be that person that says, I'm not going to... I might be right, and I, and I am, but I'm not <laughs> going to press that. I'm not going to press that. That's not the issue. I know I'm right and I don't need that person to change their mind in order to prove me right. I want to offer that person another perspective (coughs) for them. It's not going to make any difference to me or not, but how different would their life look if they didn't carry this hate around with them? That's the kind of world that you you can't change all at once and on a large scale. But I really do believe that if those little opportunities for those interactions come up, wouldn't it be good if we had the presence of mind? And I'm speaking (laughs) certainly about myself here to have that presence of mind, to not get defensive straight away and to be the the critical thinker, be the objective person, sit with it and go, okay, this is a really confronting situation. Breathe, chill the fuck out. What's happening, you know, and then engage with it on every level. This is what the brain says. And then the heart and the and the and the guts and the and the courage start to, to go. All right, I'll hold you. You brain, you go and talk, but I've got your back. You know, oh, yeah. I've got your back, and and that you feel safe in that situation. I mean, on public transport, it's pretty all right. <laughs> what are they going to do if they hit you? Then they're in trouble. Um,
1: I, I like that. That very much reflects Aaron. That very much reflects pointy's. What's the worst that'll happen? You know. Yeah. In mm. this situation, this is. Yes, about optimism, but it's about the path to choosing happiness and optimism, which is becoming Mm self-aware and becoming aware of who you are and your actions and your thoughts. Mm And sorry to be the one
0: that's derailing it tonight. I feel yeah. like we've swapped roles Go. Okay. Um, but every time you say self I am thinking of the terminator. Yeah, I I, I got <laughs> Every there. single time, that's all <laughs> I'm doing. The Terminator. Yeah. See, I
2: would have completely missed that reference. <laughs> when you say selfware, I go, yeah, yeah, like self knowing knowing thyself, being you know, Aaron's thinking, this,
1: robots, well, cyborgs. Yeah.
0: Skynet's yeah. <laughs> here. I'm a real boy.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. One day, you never know. But, but that's the thing. I think Oh, we want computers who think for themselves. Let's just concentrate on us being. Let's over just to think being for, for ourselves. ourselves yeah, they'll definitely we... be
0: the ones that deprioritise those emotions. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't think it's one individual's person to change the world completely, mm. and you—you you physically, I don't think you physically can in the in the lifespan that you have. But so many changes can be made, and if I can deal with things and and change things. Um, that my kids won't have to deal with, then they're already a step further. They'll yeah. have their own challenges, and they'll have their own ways to walk, which is great. But then they'll and they'll be able to do that then without having to carry around the baggage of generations past. To have that freedom to then really engage with with whatever lines are going to be coming their way, and and I like if I could bring it back to David Clark, the teacher yeah. that you know one of the most inspiring teachers, and the power of one that film based on the Bryce Courtney book came out. Yeah when we were in U 10 we all went together as a class to see it and there's that scene in the film it's different in the book but in the film where the elephant comes thundering towards the boy wow. and he's like, shit. but then you put out your hand to the thundering elephant and it stops and you make friends with it. You know, whatever it is that scares you can can be something which can empower you if you if you if you take that step and if you stand fast and wait for that moment and engage with it and, and have the and find the bravery and the courage to do it. Yeah, so that is an excellent
1: minutes. analogy. I was just my I hate the way my brain works in comparison to yours. No. no, no, hold on. You were an incredibly intellectual critical thinker. My brain goes back to, you know, when I read on the internet somebody took a picture of a letter to the editor saying, you know, about inspiration going out and doing things and, you know, David Bowie when he started had, you know, if you want to feel inspired, go and listen to David Bowie, and you're already one step ahead of David Bowie because he didn't have David Bowie to listen to. <laughs> you know, so you've already got That's David really Bowie true. there for inspiration. He didn't yeah. have that. Yep. So you're one step ahead.
2: Nelson Mandela didn't have Nelson Mandela. Yeah. You have yeah. him. You, Take we, that yeah, I know, right? Yeah. All of these people who have done the hard yards. How ungrateful would we be? <laughs> how much? <laughs> how much of a waste would it be if you go and do the same mistakes? And if they've they have cataclysmically done. Big stuff. You know, so so you take it yeah, you know, take the ball and run with it and
1: So I hope we're geojoining y'all on uh, Splitting Cases every week. Take don't take Yay. any of this knowledge for granted. Uh, if you want to find more episodes you know where to go, splittingcases.com pointy. That's pretty much it. I feel <laughs> like splittingcases Yeah. <laughs> go I feel there. like No, yeah. No, I'll I'll, I'll talk more crap off Mike. I think I've talked enough crap off Mike. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.
2: Good night. Spring.